Better play it right. Welcome back to another episode of the Red White Podcast. I'm host Evan with Will. How many drinks deep are you, Will? Uh, only two. Only two. But it has hit me super hard. So enjoy the spiel I give at some point, everybody. I love it. I love it. So let's get right into it. We've had a bunch of stuff happen this week. We'll talk about the Virginia game. But after the Virginia game... Really stirred up the fans. Dave Doran got a little bit salty. Now, I'm sure most people read his comments, and I don't have the exact quote in front of me, but essentially he was commenting about mean people on Twitter. And he said something uh, additional in the Wolfpack 1. All right, it's in the first minute. And this, were, this was released, and then the next day he had his uh, press conference and he said his comment about you know, he doesn't play games for Twitter, but I'm going to play this. That drive with no timeouts to go well. You know, I mean, you're one and one and people are being very negative publicly to our staff, very negative publicly to our team after two games. Because um, I just think that this thing is, this is a crazy year. There's a lot of things going on that people don't know about with COVID that make this challenge incredible. That's a lot to unpack right there. Like, uh, <laughs> hold on. There's hold a lot on. of things. Before, before we go anywhere, okay, go ahead. Playing the local native song behind it. I don't know if right? Chanel or whoever <laughs> is just like kind of laughing a little bit, but the music choice there just is incredible. Um, yeah. Sorry, continue. <laughs> All right. So, a lot of things there. So, he said there's a lot of things that people don't know about. Enlighten us, Dave. Like, What's happening? You, you know, this is your, you have these platforms to talk about it. I mean, what else is the football team going through that maybe the general public isn't going through? Uh, just a question, right? Yeah. Now, he also said, hey, you know, we're one and one and, and people were very pu- negative publicly. Now, I, I consider myself a Wolfpack fan. I'm in, in the mix, right? I try to, pay attention to all sides crazy and not crazy and i didn't see that much hate after the virginia tech game Mm -hmm. like there was some frustration but not enough that i thought it was warranted for him to call it out not once but twice this week right and the one that what you know what he said on one was the that really kind of sat with me, right? Because the uh, the reporter who asked him the other question, which about Twitter, he kind of explained it. And we'll go back to that. I'll read what the guy responded to me about. But why is Dave, like, why is he bringing this up? Like, is this a, like, rallying call for his team? Like, is he trying to say, hey, I got your backs? Like, it feels really strange that, he's paying attention to the small percentage of fans that are negative. 
right? Every fan base has a crazy side. I've said this so many times. Every fan base has your fanatic side. Us included. We don't have any more than anybody else does. Yeah. Why are, you know, why give those people, uh, why make it real, right? Why give them credibility by even acknowledging it? It's a, it was a very strange, like, two days of comments from Dave. Well, you know, I, I think in that episode, right, it goes from kind of pre-pit to post-pit to UVA, right? They kind of covered more ground than usual, if I remember correctly. But my guess is, one, uh, the players, I assume, watch those episodes. Um, you think? I would think. Wouldn't you? If you were... Like, if there is a chance that you're going to be on, like, a little, like, web broadcast series, I feel like I'd watch it. Maybe. Uh, it Maybe so. So, like, one, I think maybe, like, giving a shout-out to his boys, like, letting them know, like, hey, they're talking shit about you, but, you know, we got your back. Um, It does just seem like, I don't know. I, I, I feel like there are things that Dave says after games that draw our criticism because it feels like anyone with a little bit of PR coaching would say it a little differently. Like I know someone asked him like, Hey, you were down so-and-so in the VT game. So he, you know, talks about being down um, Peyton Wilson and Ingle or Tyler Baker Williams or whoever the hell it was. Right. He lists off like three guys. Anyone in their right mind would have said like, Hey, (laughs) I'm not going to talk about being down three players when they're down 20 plus they're down a defensive coordinator. Everything you just saw was unacceptable. And I know like James and I, I think it was James and I were tweeting back and forth about this this week. And I was like, look, I haven't thought about this at all. And I can rip off that basic, like, Hey, there's no excuse for what you just saw other than me and the staff. We didn't prepare our guys for this environment. It's our first game on the road. COVID, at, you know, is really challenging. But all those things don't really matter. Like, we got beat tonight. You just, like, you say something like that. You know, you say, like, if you want to ask me about not having Peyton Wilson and these guys uh, later in the week, like, I'll talk about it. But, like, right now, like, let's give credit to Virginia Tech. They just beat our asses. Like, that would resonate more with the fan base if that's who he's actually talking to than anything else. I think a lot of people, you know, like I tried to explain this. I think we tried to explain this to to James when he was on, like there's a lot of people who have invested a ton of money, a lot of time in their personal life, thinking about the program. They live like week to week with the program. The losses sit heavy on them, you know, even though they probably shouldn't, but that's being a fan. And you just want the head coach to come out sometimes and just be like, we fucked up. It's on us. I'm not going to make any excuses. It comes down to me, Tony, Tim. Like we did a bad job preparing this week. But yeah, then I just, yeah, yeah, I'm with you. No, I, I don't, yeah, I don't understand it. Like even, and maybe he's not. So the, the, the comment, I don't even know like where my thoughts are on this right now. Like, Enough people have said, you know, oh, hey, Dave is not going to BS you. That's all he does most of the time, these press conferences. He gives you the straight book answer 
He doesn't give anything else. He's pretty dry when you know he's not like that in real, you know, in other situations when he's not on camera. I just like I don't understand where that came from. Like he's he's Belichicking. He's he's all you know. Here's the thing. I think Dave plays the game of the other team is watching this press conference and looking to glean any information, and I'm like not going to give it. He's always playing that game, right? Like if you think about it, he says like there's things like we don't understand, right? Well, like the fan base would love to hear like, hey man, this is how freaking hard it is. These guys were out two, three weeks. I didn't have this guy for two weeks. I didn't have this guy. And that's not making an excuse. That's just being transparent. Now, maybe he can't say that right now. So a lot of this stuff kind of like slips out week to week to week. You start finding out like, oh, Thayer was out for this time. Or Amezi was out this time. Or, you know, so-and-so, right? But you would do a better job like if, if you're trying to explain to the fan base, hey, we lost this game because like you need to recognize how challenging it was losing guys for weeks and weeks and weeks, how hard it is from a conditioning thing. Like, you know, like they would never do it. But if you showed like a little video of like, here's the guys that have been out for a week or two trying to reacclimate themselves in practice. And you just give that little like mic'd up soundbite of like, holy shit, you don't understand what it's like to not play, like practice for two weeks. And now we're out here trying to run. Like you would, yeah, you would educate your fans like, cause a lot of the, I think a lot of the things like with fans, a lot of the negative comments and things like that you see often come from people who either haven't played sports or haven't played sports at a high level and don't recognize like there are all kinds of challenges in preparation and things like that. You can't just like roll out like you did in high school. And I think Dave maybe, or someone in the athletic department who's running all these beautiful, well shot uh, web series could maybe do something on that and be like, let's educate our fans so that maybe the guys spouting off on Twitter after a game or during the game might think for a second, like, Oh yeah, I remember they were saying how difficult this situation was. You know, it's all he has to do. And it's like what you said, all he has to do after these games or after that game is like, look, I'm pissed. We, we got our tails kicked. We're going to go back and make sure this doesn't happen again. End of the story, right? That's it's a non-story. Why bring in, you know, people are criticizing us. People have been mean to us. Like, don't even acknowledge. I just don't, I don't understand acknowledging those people. I think that's weird. And it's not like he has this great resume to, you know, insulate himself from these things. He's got this pluses and minuses we've got we've criticized him that's what you're supposed to do right we can have this dialogue it doesn't mean we hate dave dorn we the week before week after virgin tech we were frustrated right and you know we're not that far removed from 2019 and that virginia tech game was very much (laughs) shadows of 2019 and so you can imagine how people are very you know, all right, that weight game might have been a fraud, and we saw this Virginia Tech game. Oh, guys, the same same thing we saw last year, right? So you can imagine how that uh, he he's acting like he has no, uh, I don't like, I don't know. He's acting like he's got all this, um, you know, built up credibility where you can just, you know, you shouldn't expect any criticisms. Like that's not the that's not that's not the reality of it, right? You get paid a lot of money. People shouldn't be mean, but you are allowed to. 
you're allowed to openly question things, right? That's what we're doing as fans. That's that's the whole point of being fans is like having this conversation and letting us talk about it. It's just his insistence two days in a row is weird, you know? Yeah, I think he just um... – it, it, the only thing that caught me off guard when watching that episode was just like, why are they including that part in this? Um, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I, the thing is, like you said, 2019 just happened last year. So one, you should be used to giving <laughs> these press conferences um, in one way. And then like, but two, it's like, I, I think that's what people forget is... 2013, you go 0 and 8 in the ACC, and it's super embarrassing. But okay, we're resetting. We all recognize that TOB left you with kind of like a half full team. You had a decent defense. You were missing a quarterback. You had all kinds of questions at skill positions, whatever. Um, the next three years, if I remember correctly, were like really up and down. Those were like the three and five type years. And yeah, you got bowl eligible, but like we were always on the verge of not being bowl eligible. So like Dave doesn't actually have like what I would consider like a really good base with the fan base. Like there wasn't anything in the first couple years that said everything's going to be okay. There was always like, all right, we're waiting till next year. We're waiting till next year. Oh my God. Are we still waiting till next year? And then everything kind of clicked. And I think then you have 2019 and it wasn't just that it was bad. It was just so, so bad. And it was a combination of youth, injuries, whatever you want to call it. Then you have Wake Forest, and you're like, oh, my God, we might be really good again. And after going through the oasis of 2019, like the desert of 2019, you see like that little oasis of Wake Forest. Wow, holy crap, we're really good at running the ball. And then you see how that game plays out. And then you hear the comments after the game. We never even talked about it at halftime about switching quarterbacks to go to the guy that was your preseason. Number one, the guy that walked into the game. I don't care what coverage Virginia tech was, was playing. He was throwing the ball at a completely different level. And you know, the fan base starts saying like, Hey, we've seen you here for eight years. There's been some head scratching decisions. You've, underperformed in your overperformance years, I think is the best way to put it. And then you're letting Bailey Hockman stay in the game when he is clearly not an ACC quarterback. I'm just going to say it. He's, he's just not made for this level. He's not ready. You guys are limiting him and, and you know, for one reason or the other, and then you throw out Bailey Hawk or you throw out Bailey Hockman and you put in Leary for Pitt, and everyone says, like, what the hell is going on here? Like you were telling us this guy wasn't ready to play. He just came in and beat this great defense. So yeah. there's a reason people are really skeptical of you or really harsh on you or expecting better of you. It's because there's a lot of data points to look back to. Like, and it's not unfair of the fans to say, hey, we are not liking what we've seen. We're not happy after you get beat by a Virginia Tech team that didn't even have their defensive coordinator. Like, you know, be yeah, real. I mean, yeah, you're exactly right. I, I mean, I think that was 
as about as good as you can say it. You know, there's an, there's enough data that allows us to be questionable. If we were stock owners, we'd probably have sold some stock, right? And then the stock price goes down. That's how you react. And, and this is sports. This is how people react. They get upset, right? They're we're passionate about it. I still think 80%, 90% of our fans are really good fans, right? Yeah. I We've totally talked agree. about there's that that demographic of people that are, you know, just always down. Oh, here we go again, right? The head in the sand Wolfpack fans, right? But don't acknowledge those people. That, to me, that's just why he acknowledged that. I, I don't know. I'm going to read uh, Todd Gibson was a reporter who asked him those questions. Uh, and he responded to my tweets because we were talking about it. And credit to Todd Gibson, WNCN. I, I watch these press conferences and whatnot, and he does a good job. And his, his engagement on Twitter is one of the, you know, it's an enjoyable media engagement. And a, we've been harsh critics of the media, so I want to give a shout out to that. But he said, uh, I asked him that question today on Zoom. How does he try to insulate his players when times are tough, like after Virginia Tech? He just answered the question. There was no whining. He was the first to praise his fan base. He knows he has the most rabid fans in tri- Triangle, and he likes it. He goes on and says, the Pack fan base is fantastic. You show up to every game, win or lose or draw. You're passionate about your team. And I asked Dave in private one time about the base, and he loves that you guys have the fire. He does want to shield his guys, but he knows he has to take the fire. And then he said, glad to help. Again, he knows he's going to get criticized and is fine with it. I get the sense that he really loves his kids and want them to not have to face it. But that's what happens when you play for a team with a fan base that is passionate. And that's okay. Like, again, that's not all fans. I mean, that's not not everybody. There's a passion to this fan base. There's a passion to a lot of fan bases. I don't think the majority of it is negative. And I, and I could be I insulated in my own little bubble. I don't follow enough negative fans or, or whatever. I don't know. But I just don't see it that often. I see it, but not not like that. And not enough that I would make a point of like addressing it. I think that's that's the part where I just like, why did he do that? I thought that was weird. And you know, he's not infallible. He's got some he's got he's made he's had some issues before. He's made some mistakes. It's fine. Yeah. And it's the benefit of playing here, right? I think that's you have this fan base, and I don't, I don't know, man. I, we've talked enough about it. It's, well, it's, it's just, it's, it's great to hear that from a media member. You just want to hear Dave, just kind of like, I'm not gonna make this political, but you want to make it like how during certain debates recently, someone looked into the camera and talks to the fans. Like, that's what you want. You want to see him say, hey, if you think you're pissed, it's not even within standard deviations of whatever. Like, you're not even close to how mad I am. And you can yeah. guarantee how mad I am right now. The players are even more pissed. No one likes getting their ass kicked on national TV like that. And the reason we looked like that is we, you know, you just come out and say, like, we thought they were going to do something else. And all things considered, we couldn't adjust fast enough. Whatever. Just take the blame and say, we know you're mad. We're mad. We're all mad. We all remember what happened in 2019. That shit's not going to happen in the next game. Like, you just say something like that and everyone's like, oh, Dave's my man. Like, yeah. 
It's not that this, hard to win us over. We said that when we talked to Bridget a while back, right? And it was just like state fans are very much us against the world mentality. That's mm-hmm. how we always been. Right? The media shits on us. Everybody shits on us. And we want one of our own. We want somebody to have our back, right? And, and exactly right. If Dave says he should know this by now. This is eight years, right? He should know these things that all he has to say is something like that. And we know he cares, right? We know he's passionate. You go watch all these videos and he's fired up, right? You know, it just reflect that out, right? Don't highlight the small percentage of fans that may be jackasses because everybody's got that, got those jackasses. And plus not to be a conspiracy person, but right. Like you don't even know if those are NC state fans that are talking shit about you. Right. Like it's easy to be able to look on there and see Matt days say that bam Knight should be the only running back playing right now, which pissed off a certain starting running back on our team. Rightfully. So like, you know, that's real. And that could be something that a player maybe, you know, maybe these guys talk about it and they say like, hey, like Ricky, don't don't engage with this kind of thing. Like, that's one thing. But like state fan, ABC, like who cares really about what they're saying? Like, I totally love the fact that he's trying to insulate the, the guys from it. Like, but your job as a coach is to address your fan base and not just be talking coach speak. And like, sometimes we just want to see that you have a pulse. You know, that's a good point. Right? I didn't see the Matt days thing until you pointed it out to me. I did see a couple weeks ago. Was it Hakeem Jones? Maybe tweeted out three, three stack is not for us. Three, three is not for us. Three, three, five is not for us. And, you know, Tanner Ingles saw that and re- responded. And I a couple other like ex players have said something. So maybe he's talking about them, but that that's not being overly negative. I mean, that's you could have criticism. I, these players are look, these these kids have grown up on social media. I, I can't imagine they handle it better than most of the adults that are actually on social media are handling like a comment like that. So yeah. Yeah, that's a really good point. Man, Manny asked thoughts on Salty Dave's comments about being thrown to the woodpile. There you go, Manny. That's our thoughts on it. <laughs> yeah, go back to uh twenty two minutes ago. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, we'll move on. Um, I mean, hey, we should report. We won the game that that those comments were coming after, and uh, we won the recent game as well. Right. So, jeez. Uh, uh, yes. Do we want to talk about UVA? I don't even. I haven't even read that far down the stupid pile of comments. Uh, uh we'll get there. Uh, we can talk UVA. I mean. They played. They played well. It was not um, a perfect game by any means, it, which makes all these comments even more baffling. Like, two games later, right? Um, anyway, first off, we were what? weren't we like ten point dogs in this game? Or ten something? boy dogs to Virginia. I, here's the thing: I'm a gambler, but I never do sports gambling i've just like i've like drawn a line i'm like i'll play with cards i'll play when i have control i guess yeah but when i saw that line i was so tempted i was i really was i was like i have watched these uva games i was like they are not good i don't understand what everyone else is seeing i don't know what vegas is seeing and I, i think i was texting you during the week i was like we must have injuries there must be something like 
what am I missing here? They yeah. suck. I yeah, I couldn't believe that. Yeah, I I felt the same way. I watched all their games. You know, they beat Duke, but they turned it over five times. I guess everybody's basing it on that Clemson game. Yeah, but like and, classic Clemson, right? Like until Clemson plays someone with a pulse in the year, like they just sleepwalk. It wasn't like last year, right? It wasn't until that UNC game, until they got that little scare, that they were like, oh, I guess we got to go into championship mode. Yeah. And like Dabo talks about it all the time, like we're going into championship mode. And then they just murder everybody. And now Miami has activated championship mode. And I'm yeah. sure the next team that plays them is going to lose by 45 points. They are 26-point favorites to Georgia Tech. So, yeah, they probably could win by 40 this week. They will. Yeah. Yeah, they, they probably will. Yeah, so, I mean, the UVA game, like, we'll talk about. Leary didn't play great. <laughs> I just got yeah. a text from my girlfriend who's downstairs who just said, a lot of UVA shit talk going on. <laughs> <laughs> Not yet. We just started. We just started shitting on them. <laughs> like they're not good uh, Leary didn't play great but what I like to see is that you won a game where he didn't play great right he didn't he didn't have to because other things went well the defense played well enough defense made enough plays I, I was really I was really happy to see the defense play the way they did they didn't give they didn't give Virginia, Virginia anything easy right there was no busted plays there was no just nothing was easy. They made them work for it. And honestly, if we catch a few balls, they probably have like five interceptions that game. Yeah. You know, but everybody was, it just, it looked better, right? Everything was, it was never in doubt. I mean, we were up 24 seven and somebody's like, oh, here, you know, here it comes. Like, guys, are you watching the same game as me? Like, it's never, it was never in doubt. And, I thought that was the most impressive part of that and because, because the offense didn't play great, but they didn't have to. They played well, and there you go. They won. That's That was impressive to me. Yeah, I think what struck me coming into the game, and that's why I was kind of like saying, like, what is Vegas seeing is, like, NC State played Lamar Jackson multiple times. NC State has shown that year two of facing Jackson – no, no, year three, right, because they played him in Raleigh. And that was mm-hmm. that super close game. Then they got their doors blown out, and then they beat them that, that last year. NC State knows how to play mo- mobile quarterbacks that aren't great passers, and like that's I, that's not. I feel like that's not a shot at Lamar Jackson in college. I don't think he was really that great of a passer. So, if you could contain Lamar Jackson, the UVA quarterback whose name I can't even not even remember right now, <laughs> Armstrong. It, yeah, is he's not even in that ballpark, right? Like, if you recall, I think I can't remember if it was that year or not, but like the way they played against uh, Bryce Perkins was like the perfect example. Bryce Perkins is a more athletic version of Armstrong and probably a slightly better passer, and we completely dominated him. Like, we know how to play that type of quarterback. And we know how to limit them. So, like, I wasn't worried about that. All I was thinking was this 3-4 that they play is very multiple. It's very easy to confuse a quarterback. So, I kept thinking, like, oh, Leary's going to come out. It's going to be gross. You know, we had that three and out to start. That touchdown pass to Rooks is overturned. We missed the field goal. There was, like, that moment for about, I don't know, two minutes probably where I was watching, and I was just like, oh, boy, here we go. It's about to yeah. snowball down, right? 
And then we just proceeded to just pile on points. And like that, this is a different team. I think a different makeup than we were used to. The only thing that frustrates me is that in classic Dave Doran era fashion, the second we got like a decent lead, we went into conservative play calling mode in the second half. And like, this is one of the things that I think I've harped on a bunch is in college football, you should always murder your opponent because you, it's essentially turning into free practice reps at that point. And you should be able to inspire confidence in your team that, Hey, we're really good at offense. We can score whenever we want to score. Like you only have 12 games a season typically to do this. So don't call off the dogs, especially early in the season. If it's later in the season and you want to like rest starters, fine. But I hate when we come out of halftime with a lead and we immediately shift into, we're going to like run, run pass for the most part. And a couple of the podcasts I was listening to this week hit on it, that Leary is very much like a rhythm guy. Like if you look at the end of the pit game, right? Like first two quarters, he's really in rhythm. Then we go into, Hey, we're, we've got the lead. Let's try to win that way. And then on the final drive, it's okay. Well, he's got no timeouts, whatever. We're going to give up yards to him. And you just see him get in rhythm all of a sudden. And he just starts chunking down the field. Boom, 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 boom. And I just wish we maintained that thing. And, and even Doran said it during his, one of his press conferences this week is, I don't know where I put this thing down, but um, uh, yeah, he said, uh, basically he said, uh, they have to help Leary out by not hurting ourselves. Like he was talking about getting behind the chains a little bit, but he said he also felt that he got that we got a little conservative and tight, trying to not make mistakes in the second half. That's Doran one hundred and one. Yeah, that play calling really it, it is Doran one hundred and one, and I really we've seen it over and over again, and I really don't like it. I really I don't like when they get out of rhythm. It, we've seen these third quarter, you know, issues and just slow down mode. I, I get what they're doing, right? They've won it a makes ton sense. of games doing it. I'm, I will say that they've won plenty of games. But as a fan, and I feel like as a player, it has got to be annoying. It is, but you know, it also it puts you in a position where you take the rhythm out of your offense, and now they're not as successful, right? And your defense is back on the field, and you're stressing your defense even more. Yeah. And I, I think they really now. Granted, some of the plays, you know, Leary wasn't sharp. He missed a couple easy throws. Some of those things. So maybe it's part of that. But again, you don't see that same uh, aggressive mentality or being the whatever has made them successful in those first two quarters because they're like, all right, now we we got a lead and now we have to just maintain it. College football, man, I don't think you can play like that anymore because nobody plays defense. And these offenses are too good. Your defense is not going to shut somebody down. You can look at any of these schools. People are still scoring, right? Alabama gave up a metric ton of yards. <laughs> And you can't you can't look at a team and say like, all right, they don't have enough talent. Like it's Alabama, right? Nobody plays defense anymore. These def- the offenses are too good. They're ahead of these def- They're ahead of these defenses. And, and I think I question that. Slow it down. Keep them in front of you. I, I get it, right? On defense, it's fine, but on offense, you got to keep 
your foot on the gas a little bit. I mean, like State has lost a lot of games, and State fans have seen this over the years where you play not to lose and you lose. All right. We've seen it so many times. Yeah. And that gives me, you know, I have flashbacks of all those, you know, Chuck Amato and Tom O'Brien losses from pulling off the pedal. I'm like, oh, man, come on. The only time I remember it working like to a T was during the Tom O'Brien um, triple play Bryn Renner yeah. game where yeah. we got up 13 0. And they literally said, we don't even have to play offense anymore. Like, they're not scoring on us. I've, ne- first off, never heard Tom O'Brien be that confident post game ever. Um, thank you, yeah. uh, Everett Withers, for motivating, you know, like the one time we played like TOB style that you thought we would get. But that was, this was like kind of the closest thing, like where, like, even in the chat room, I think I even checked out for like a quarter and a half. Like where I was just like, whatever, this game's over. I'm going to go do chores kind of thing. And like we, I had it up. It was like I was bringing it with me throughout the house as I was doing things. But this was that kind of game. But you just, the thing I appreciate about Clemson is that they just murder people all game. And they, you know, like they just wait till the fourth quarter to call it off. And it just felt like they, we came out of halftime we had the lead and like, I just don't think we are in a spot as a team to just be like, Hey, we can kind of call the dogs off. Like we're good. Like all it takes is one bad interception or one guy falling down in the rain. Right. And all of a sudden that game's a lot tighter. Um, There was no real threat from that backup quarterback in my opinion. And like, like you said, everyone on the little chat room that we had was (laughs) Like buttholes were clenching and I was like, okay, like it's not happening dudes. Yeah. But so you just, it's funny. Like we won by 17 points, but it feels like we won by three. Yeah. You know, I watched the Clemson Miami game and you're right. They don't take the foot off the gas. They don't change anything for the most part. They do their thing and they keep their offense in rhythm because that's how you win college football games. These days you score points. You keep scoring points, right? You want to you want to get the best athletes. You want to recruit better, be more fun, score more points, right? That's what people want to play with people who score more points. I will That's say just this. the reality of it. Clemson is basically the only defense playing defense right now. I, I mean, yeah. not to take – I will say this. Our defense was great this weekend. It was super exciting to see us getting turnovers. The turnover bone is apparently a thing. Um, oh, the turnover the bone! Fact yes. That we did not have a bone zone end zone thing, like for the pick. The uh, first off, I'm upset that apparently thick six was not creative. I thought that was a thing. I, thought, I was like, wow, I've come up with something. Um, like, but but Clemson is like one of the only only elite defenses that is basically playing at an elite level right now. And I cannot stop thinking about that one defensive back that they have that is just making yes. like somersaults out there and and, junior yeah Yeah. his pass breakups and his interceptions are incredible um and that is the only time where i've actually like looked recently at a clemson team and been like oh yeah that's what like elite talent at defensive back looks like um both of their corners are super young and they are relentless they are very very good yeah and they are the only well they're one of the few teams that is playing legit defense right now and 
you know, maybe maybe shows a little bit about Miami, but Miami's got some speed, and Clemson, those quarterbacks were all over them, man. They couldn't do a thing. I was uh, I was impressed. I was impressed with the Clemson corners. I will yeah, say, they don't, okay. yeah, go ahead. Well, I was just gonna say, like, not to be, because someone downstairs in my household loves UVA. Um, UVA, I feel like their their record right now is not very reflective of that team. If that quarterback stays healthy, like. Even Dave said he was like, I think we confused the hell out of that quarterback, basically. Um, it wouldn't surprise me to see Virginia go and rock Wake this weekend or yeah, that's this weekend, right? You know, like I can that that looks like a good team. That defense is much better than even I expected. So it gives me a lot of hope going forward because I think that's the only three four team we're gonna play. It was a very senior laden defense. And if you get that first half NC State to show up for four quarters. I still think we haven't seen it yet with Leary at the helm. We kind of had like a two, three quarter performance each time. Yeah. If you get that full game, like someone's going to get their doors rocked by this NC State team. Yeah. And that's what I want to see. I want to see lots of points. Chicks dig the long ball, right? <laughs> All those things. Only a lot of points. Uh, Elaine McNeil, stud. He, he talked about Josh Harris though after the game. What you got in your notes here about that? Uh, that just that Josh Harris is good. You can, I can't summarize this after four whiskey shots that are in two cocktails. <laughs> like Josh Harris is a horse in the middle, and nobody can move him. That's yeah, basically. basically, I mean, here's what we've we thought. Like, I, even Dave kind of said it. Like, Josh had an injury last year. He had to come through that. Someone said that he got caught up in the COVID quarantine. Or not quarantine, but the uh, the protocol, which probably hurt him. But like, I just love this quote um, that Doran said that when we get into that goal line package, you've got Harris, Aleem, and CJ Clark inside. That's almost one thousand pounds. That's stout. <laughs> <laughs> like, I, it gives me hope. But you, you what, what I want to see. Uh, only thing I ask because I'm such a Josh Harris stan is that Harris looks at Aleem and sees like what he's done this year to prepare to obviously take himself to another level. And Josh is able to do that in the off season because it is clear that on the goal line, he's a force. And if you could get him for seven or eight downs on a long drive out there, like he clearly looks like he is a different, different person than anyone else on defense. It's kind of like how you see Peyton Wilson standing out. That's what Josh Harris is, right? Like he's 340 some pounds and like on the field, he looks massive, but like all we're asking is like for him to trim like 15 or 20 pounds off. He's going to be a mammoth. And I love what I see. I don't even focus on CJ Clark or Davin van because they look like linebackers compared to Josh Harris. That's so true. Harris looks he comes on the field and it's like no questioning where he is. He's that much bigger than everybody else. You're like, oh my God, he's huge. But he's making plays. That's that's what's so great about it. Is like it's yeah. not like he's, he's getting up there and fat. getting stood yeah. up. Uh, you know, he, he's not looking like he's yeah. losing leverage. He's getting in. Mm, I love it. Like, you know, basically what Jordan said is these guys all jam up the middle and then it just allows them to make plays off the edge. So you get all your athletes on the sides. And I, I can't remember in the last two or three years, the last time we had two one yard multi, uh, you know, multi uh, play stands. Yeah. 
We'll see. I think we'll see more this year. Just they have that makeup. And uh, Alumin, you know, I want to point out at some point during his game, he was getting just like the offensive line for Virginia just stopped trying to block him and they were just hugging him. They would legit just make an Alum sandwich and they wouldn't let him move. And, like it was the craziest thing I've ever seen. If you go back and watch that game, especially late in the game, they're like, man, this sucks. And they just would like bear hug him so he couldn't go anywhere. He was, he only had, well, he had a tackle in the, in the pick six, but he was just destroying that offensive line. It was awesome. It's but so when, awesome to watch. I assume that he's one of those guys that when, when that happens to him, like it gives him pleasure because he yeah. is doing his job. He's drawing multiple people away and he's freeing everybody up. Like, yeah, that's all you want out of that guy. That guy knows that. He's going to have a limited probably opportunity to like make plays behind the line because he's getting so much attention. So like when he gets the opportunity, just make that play. And so far this year, he's got that fumble sack recover like strip recovery in the Wake Forest game. He's got the pick six obviously here, and then he has God knows how many double teams that he's eaten up to allow everyone to play. Like yeah. I mean, the only thing that annoys me is he's playing so well. I know he's not going to be here. Next yeah, year, certainly. So I know it's impossible to flip his brother. <laughs> oh well, I don't. I don't agree with that. I think he were getting his brother. Oh, I don't. I don't uh, I, I'm, I'm resigned. <laughs> I'm resigned to the Oregon man. I, after I saw Justin Herbert just killing it, and in, in the NFL, oh, he looks good. Surprisingly, yeah, surprised me. Um, other player looked good. Porter Rooks. Um, Dave mentioned in the presser that he was aggressive and he looked a little bit different. Uh, somebody else, I, I give it to Brett Freelander. He blocks everybody on Twitter. He's kind of a jackass, but he asks a good question, and I'll play for it here. Coach Doran said that he saw a different look in your eye on Saturday and that he just kind of felt like you had a different body language also. What was different about your approach, and why do you feel like that was the case? Um, nothing purposely different. You know, I try to come in with the same type of intensity every day, but – uh, you know, I'm just ready to compete. You know, I felt like uh, this was a game that I was going to get some good looks, and which I did. So I just try to make the play on the ball. But uh, like I said, I just wanted to compete and be a person that uh, my teammates can rely on. How do you feel like you've grown from week to week so far through the first four games? Uh, yeah, um, in-game experience has helped me a lot. Uh, adjusting to the speed of the game, um, kind of learning the ins and outs of college football and what you can and can't get away with. But uh, I feel like I'm, I'm – I'm doing a good job of adjusting, and I'm going to keep building on that. Thank you. I thought it was, I mean, good answers, but you could see, you could see it on the field. He was, he was sharp. His routes were really good. His, I mean, his hands were ridiculous. He obviously made that catch in the end zone that they somehow said he didn't. It's twice this year we've gotten hosed on reviews. Not that I'm keeping count, and like. Man, you, is, you could be really excited about the future of Porter Rooks. I thought Porter Rooks was going to say, like, Mickey told me women make uh, make you weak in the knees, and I didn't get laid, <laughs> and that's why I came out so mean. Um, he looked completely different. Um, yeah. If you go back and look at the, the should have been a touchdown play, I don't care. Whoever said that the ball looks like it moves slightly, There's, I'm sitting there on a 4K TV, and I cannot tell. There is no way – that ref who's look, you know, or whoever in the office is working, looking on that grainy ass 720p feed 
that we get for these ACC games, no one could tell me that ball moved. But if you look at that play, what was impressive to me is that I, he had like six yards separation between him and the defender. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's starting to come together, and that's what's exciting. Like, if if Rook starts, you know, I don't know if he is approaching or broken through, like, the freshman wall, but if, if he's starting to peek into his capability – if Angeline is doing the same, if Amezi is playing better, like we're have we, we have so many options at this point. Like Devin Carter looks different when he's running after the catch this year, in my opinion. Like I, I feel like I said it earlier. If if these guys start playing to their potential and all of them are playing potential at the same time, this game gets a lot easier. And then as long as the offensive line is blocking for Leary, he's going to have so many options. Tim Beck is going to be able to dial up what he wants. It's really exciting to see. And I don't know. There, there's a part of me that just is, was so happy to see one of our wide receivers really starting to look elite. And, like, this is not a shot at Calvin Harmon. It's – yeah. yeah. I just haven't seen a wide receiver that looked like that good in in a while, in my opinion. And like Kelvin is a really, really, really good college receiver, but he was always like draped in coverage. And so like when I saw Rooks with that much separation on that touchdown grab, that should have been, I was like, here we go. This is the future. We're going to have this for multiple years. We haven't had this kind of guy in a while. It's kind of like with UNC with who is it Diablo or whoever they've got. Like, yeah. Tommy Brown, that's what I'm thinking of. Like, we have not had, like, an elite go-to wide receiver. We've had an incredible possession receiver, in my opinion. And you're just starting to see, like, that little flash of what could be, I guess. I'm very excited. I said it during the game. He's got Torrey Holt potential. Yeah. And I don't mean that is that he is going to be a Hall of Famer, right? He could be. He's, that, he's, he's clear of that skill. But what I mean is he runs those – he gets open by running ridiculous routes, right? Tory got faster as he got older and developed more, and that really helped him too. But he was—I mean, he was really—he ran strong routes. He was always open. You know, Porter was showing those same sort of characteristics. And man, I'm watching him like uh, this is—you can see it, man. You can really, really see it. He's fluid. He, yeah, he's, that's he's what, a good way to say. Fast without looking like he's fast, and like, yeah, I don't know if anyone's like ever played like pickup ball or like you know flag football or whatever. But like, you notice when like a pure athlete like is on the field, they just move differently, and like, yeah, you just see it, and you're like, oh my god, like we've been missing just that little thing. I played flag football for for a long time. We had this pickup game every Saturday. It was probably ten years or something, and. One day, like random people would show up here and there. They would find out from some friends. One day, Sherman Raglan shows up, went to Northern Durham. He was uh, committed to Wake Forest. And he actually get, he was wearing an NC State shirt, and he gave it to me before we started playing because I was talking to him about it. Uh, and I was like, I knew we're not getting this guy. He's going to Wake. Uh, but he was out there, and like you said, he was just – 30 times better than any of us. Like just, you could, he runs differently. Now he was a head case. that didn't become anything. Got kicked off wake Forest, but he was a superior athlete. And when you have a guy like that doing that to other superior athletes, it's really, it's really impressive, yeah. you know, and I love watching Rooks. I think he's really good. 
Um, we got a ton of questions this week, so I'm going to get to them. Uh, what does it say about this team responding? What does it say about Dave Dorn and this staff responding the way it did after the VT game? And I, Will's got this theory. I'll let you let you give him your your practice theory. Yeah, because um, I think it's spot on. Anytime that during the week that Dave Doran says like that we had a great Tuesday practice, went hard in practice on Tuesday. Tuesday, this is always his indicator. If we have that statement, we typically win. I swear to God, every time we've gotten our doors blown off in a game, he has said we had a terrible Tuesday practice. Guys weren't locked in. They didn't. They weren't meeting the standard. The standard is the standard. Blah 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 blah. Anytime he says something good about Tuesday practices, you get a really, really good NC State team. And this is the second week in a row that he said this about us. And this week he said they went hard in practice Tuesday, took some time to get used to the wet grass, but as it went on, there was a lot of energy and physicality. It's more about the energy and attitude, and that was fantastic today. So you can already lock it in. We're going to beat the shit out of Duke. I love it. It's true. Will's been pointing this out for a couple weeks now, and every time it happens, it's like it's spot on. And I think that makes a lot of sense if you watch this team, right? It's a a very emotional team. If they're engaged, they're good, and they're not good enough to not be engaged and win, right? We saw that all last year when things went wrong. It was like they were disengaged. They weren't into it. But, man, you watch them in the pit game and you watch them in this UVA game, and they're locked in, man. They're ready to play. And if they can keep that up, any game is possible. Any game is possible. I'm just Uh, feeling good thinking about it. Yeah. I'm reading your note here. NC State leads the ACC and passes defended. Yeah, I didn't know where to, like, put this in our notes, so we'll just, like, say it here. Um, You know, Doran was talking about basically that, like, the new coaches have got these guys locked in. We're leading in passes defended. Some of those are dropped interceptions. And, you know, this game, you saw it. You you saw a quarterback who's not super great at either reading defenses or could be easily confused. And I, I, I didn't even do a count, like, by the end of the game. Like, it felt like we should have a, had at least five interceptions in this game, maybe yeah. more. Like, they were just throwing up opportunities. And if anyone's been watching the Duke games recently, you've seen Duke not only is fumbling the ball, they're throwing interceptions. They're just turning the ball over at like a prolific rate right now. So what I would say, what I'm kind of saying here is like, we had a terrible Virginia Tech game. We didn't, I don't think we had, other than the fumbles, I don't think we had any turnovers at Wake. And you're starting to see like that pick six that got called back in last game you can see a confidence building in the secondary. And I think Tyler Baker Williams is going to be back. Ingles going to be back for this game. Like this is going to be one of the first games that we're actually going to have all the quote unquote starters that we should have had that we expected aside from like Ingram and those guys. This is a great opportunity to show you're continuing to grow after the Virginia tech game. All he has talked about in the off season was turnover margin and how it was a problem. And it's been a problem for years. Right. Like this is going to be one of the first times that we're going to have like positive turnover margin. I, th- I think by like four or five games in. Yeah. I'll, I'll touch on, I made some notes. I'll touch on uh, the corners in here in a second. Uh, but somebody asked, where did you think this team is mentally confidence, etc.? I-, I think they're in a good spot, man. And what I noticed, and this is just, again, from the outside, you're watching, 
whatever video you can, right? You watch the Wolfpack one show and when they put Leary in and even after the pit game, like the team was rallying around him. Right. And he's in there thinking the scout team and he's doing all these things. And the guys are, I, I think when you have confidence that your offense can get it done, it just makes everything else that much better, man. It's just everything up. And I think right now, if they keep up that practice mentality, like Will said, then they're going to be they're going to be good week to week. And I think that's 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 what they are. They're in a better place than they were last year at this point by by a long long shot. Uh, what are your thoughts that State has won multiple ways now? We won. What does it say? Wake on the ground, pit in the air, UVA defense. Uh, what's your thoughts on beating teams different ways? Um, it's what you want to see. I feel like plenty of other podcasts and everyone else have kind of hit on this. Like you won running the ball, you won passing the ball and playing clutch at pit. And then you won by, it was gross out. You clearly beat the team that you were better than. It's good to see us winning in multiple ways. It, it, it shows one that Tim Beck doesn't just have to run the ball all year. It shows that Gibson is correcting after the VT game and building out multiple better defenses. Like, I mean, Kenny Pickett is good. I don't care. Like, yeah, they should have beat BC this weekend. Uh, you know, it, Pickett oh, got injured. Job. Well, Pickett got injured in the game. Look, BC's better than expected. Like, BC's kind of pulling what state is, where they're kind of like Louisville last year. Like, they're much better than you would expect the difference I think is BC is just like playing like nasty right now. Like they've got that, they've got like angry BC culture showing up right now. They're dirty. Yeah. I'm not looking forward to playing them. Um, Pick that hose in that game. Anyway, didn't see it. The kicker kicked a 58 yarder to force overtime and then misses an extra point to lose in, in overtime, second overtime. It's like, it was, it was pitch it. It was pitch it. Okay. I feel like I coined that last game. They got pitch it. Okay. Um, that's what happens when you have an Arduzzi as a coach. He's a whiny little bitch. Um, it's just karma. So what I'm saying is Pitt is better than that looks. And, and you know, everyone is like doing that classic, like, oh, NC State broke Pitt. Like, whatever. Pitt's probably going to go win this weekend and, and change everyone's minds. The I'm happy to see it. We haven't seen it in a while. Like, we're winning in multiple ways. The only thing that kind of, like, gives me pause is, like, when you're winning winning in a lot of different ways, does that mean that you're just really good and you can just shift and win? Or are you just getting lucky in some way? Um, so, I guess... They I'm need like, to put it all together. Yeah, it's I'm just not 100% sold. Yeah, they have to put it all together is really what I want to see. They've shown the pieces. And if they do put it together, like you said earlier, they're going to blow somebody's doors off. So let's hope they keep doing that. I hope they uh, save thoughts it on the, not this week, but the next. <laughs> <laughs> thoughts on the yeah thoughts on the running back rotation. I think they're doing a nice job letting guys find a rhythm while also keeping them fresh. Yeah. I mean, I like what I'm seeing. Uh, I'm a person guy. Um and I think what Ricky does enables Bam 
and maybe that's like a traditional mindset of mine, but I think you hit him with the heavy hitter and then get the, the fast shifty guy in. And I still feel like we have not seen, we've only seen flashes of the Houston that we saw last year. And I'm, I'm curious if it's because he had more opportunities with Ricky getting injured last year. So like he's the third man, maybe he's not getting in rhythm. Um, you know, I, I I feel like a lot of people were like, just start Bam. But I, I think Ricky's more multiple. I think Ricky's a better pass catcher. Um, I, I, I just feel like it's funny because Bam is like got a, a how, what's the way to phrase this? Uh, he's got a hard on for beating Duke. And <laughs> I feel so, like. All right, hold on, hold on, hold on, okay, hold on, okay, hold on, hold on. Okay. I'm getting into that. So. Bam put out a somebody put out a tweet and Bam responded like, "I'm ready to do this and tag Ricky Person in it." And I was like, <laughs> "Will and I were texting earlier in the week. I was like, why is he so salty at Duke?" And it didn't click. But turns out he, he was committed to Duke. He flipped, and then apparently the Duke coaches got super salty with him. And so now you got angry Bam coming at you, and I'm all in on that. I want to see all of that. Because I think he's going to run wild on them. Well, when we're in a New Year's Six Bowl game this year playing Georgia and Blasky is like, says the same thing. (laughs) Like, I mean, I'm not going to fault Duke coaches for being salty. Uh, I think that um, the same reason it didn't work for UNC in a lot of ways, you should not pressure kids to commit, especially early in the cycle. Like, it's just a bad move. It doesn't last. And when your recruit then starts saying, well, Hey, I kind of want to like visit some other schools. Um, you know, I want to take part of this whole process, blah, blah, blah. If you turn on them, they're definitely gone. Like they're probably gone anyways, but like occasionally you get the Eason where they go visit or whatever. And then they come back to you. Emeka Mezzi did the same thing. He decommitted and he recommitted. Yeah, Matt Days too. Yeah, Days did it too. Like, I will give I will give very much kudos to Doran's staff in general. They don't seem to get caught up in that crap. Now, if it's the night of signing day, I totally get it. Different story. <laughs> um, I will also say we jumped off of it, but Devin Leary fan account Wolfpack Nation Recruiting um, had two other questions in their little tweet at us. Um, which is great. Can Leary become a serious Heisman contender in the future? Well, he's in <laughs> near future. I'm like, after the PBA game. <laughs> yeah, slow your roll. Slow your roll. He's got, look, he's, he was a lead 11 quarterback. He's clearly good. Uh, he needs everything else to rise around him. But if he has like eight games, like he did the pit game next year, mm-hmm. like, sure, put him in, put him in there. They, Sam Howell got the love for a lot less. So Sure. I mean, he, he certainly can be. I, I'm not going to crown him yet, but he's good. He can play. Um, and this kind of ties into both questions. Uh, he was saying, what's our identity after these past four games? Is it running? Do you think the run game is really our identity? I, I think they want to run it. So even if you look at this uh, this last game, they ran it 45 times. I don't have the notes in front of me. They ran it 45 times and passed it 20-something Like it was a 60 40 split, and I think that's where it should be. I think it's where Dave wants it to be. 
the the fact that you have a guy that can throw the ball down the field really helps all sorts of things. And I think that's what you'll see. They run a lot of four verts. So you're going to get – put the run game, put the pressure on them, and then you're going to get somebody taking a shot. And I think that's what we're going to see. And then you hit one of those shots and they back up a little bit and your run game goes a little farther. So I think they want to be a run team. I think that's our identity. They haven't put it all together in one game. So I want to see that. I want to see them put it together. I want to see a game 200 yards from Leary, 100 from Bam, 100 from Ricky. Be like, yeah, this is this is balance. This it's is coming. See. This is this yeah. is the game. I guarantee you, they're gonna put up a a ton of yards in this game. Um, yeah. I, I would say there was one little comment here from Cam's tweet at us. Um, I think they're doing a really good job of keeping everyone fresh. Um, Ricky Bam, I actually probably would like to see actually Houston mixed in a little bit more personally. Um, I do wonder if this is one of those games where let's let's say that everything falls down right and we are very much ahead of Duke. I don't want to see Bam and person in the game at the end of this. I want to see like a fourth quarter dedicated to um, to Houston and, and Penix and Mims. Like I, I don't, I did, I still don't understand why at the end of the UVA game we weren't putting in Penix just for for running back. Like I, I don't know. Yeah. If that, so they and that goes back to earlier. If they keep the pressure on in the third quarter, you get your guys in in the fourth quarter, right? You can do that and feel that comfortable, and that's something we haven't done. Uh, somebody else asked, you lead it into that. Do you think Penix should be used in the fullback or the H role? I really like so Parham was out last week, and Parham's been blocking really well, which was kind of surprising to all of us. So they played Penix in that spot, and he had that little swing pass TD, and then they had the other one where he he probably would have run for forty yards if he if Leary doesn't throw that ball behind him. I really like how they use him there. Mm-hmm. I don't know if he's got the blocking ability uh, that Parham has, but you know he's an athlete that you want on the field. And I really like the creativity of how they use that that H back role and a couple of those plays there. I thought it was really. Uh, well-designed plays there. Yeah, he's if he's going to be in that role, he's much closer. It's like sacrilege to even say this. He's much closer to what J. Sam is was in that role than what yeah. Arham is. Right, J. Sam, love him to death, wasn't a blocker. Um, yeah. And you're seeing a little elements of that. It, it's really interesting. Like if he, if Leary hadn't missed that, I think it was like a third down pass, like. Penix could have had another massive gain, like huge gain. He was, um, yeah. He's just one of those guys. Like, if you go back and watch that little touchdown pass play that they did, like you can see, like the defender just like gives up even trying to chase him down. Like, yeah, he's big and he's much faster than he looks. Um, he doesn't look like he doesn't look like he accelerates very quickly. I just feel like once he hits his top gear. He's got a very high top gear. It's it. I don't know. He's a strange athlete to me, just from a visual perspective of watching him on plays. Yeah, he's a uh, he's he's got some tree trunks, man. Yeah, <laughs> you look at his legs; like he's thick. He can he can move. So it's going to be interesting to see how he they keep using him. He's still young too, so he's going to evolve, and I, I think he'll find his role uh, in this offense. And maybe it's in that H back position. I I really like that. 
Observation. Dunlap is developing into a real player at cornerback. His physicality is impressive. He came down after playing off to jam a wide receiver and completely rerouted him out of bounds. Did you see that as well? Yeah, I, I did see that. And I loved what Dunlap is bring, bringing. I was questionable that he'd be able to play with some of these guys given he's big, but he's been running with all these fast wide receivers. He's been, I mean, he's been really impressive. And again, he's another young guy that I I really like what I see out of him. Yeah, he's one of those guys that's a clear example of when your brain stops having to process things and your muscles just get to react. Like yeah. you you can see that he's clearly a different specimen. You, I mean, you can see it like if you look at any of the one videos or any of the stuff from like camps, like he just looks different than all the other DBs. Mm-hmm. He's huge. Um and super and just super well put together. Um, I I, I mean I, I can't be happier like what I'm saying. I like his physicality. I think he was the guy that on that swing pass at Pitt, um, the, yeah, the back quarterback like threw it out in front of him or whatever, and then he just smashed the wide receiver. And I was like, oh my god, we're gonna get a second targeting call. <laughs> but yeah, like I love I love to see it. It, it, he he's what you want to see. Like he's what was he's what you were hoping for out of all the DB recruits that we had for a long time. We kept trying to go for these really like big long guys and just like never really got put together. Um, yeah, he's special. He's you know, with him, I I wondered. You know, he, he's cousins with Corvarius Couch, right? He was a Crouch Crouch. Yep. One of the top-rated running backs in the country coming out a couple of years ago, and I wondered how much we were recruiting him just because they were related. It was a chance to get at Crouch, but he's answered all those questions, man. He's been really good, and he, you know, you can see him growing into a key player. What what I wanted to highlight about the other corners, Harris at safety's played well. JPL came in when Engel went out with the uh, the targeting call, and Boykin three young guys and they all played really well. And I was, to me, it shows that the three defensive coach hires in particular, the two defensive backs coaches and the safeties coach has been, has paid off. These guys are playing with more confidence than we've seen. They're playing more aggressive. I think somewhere, maybe it might've been in one Dorn mentioned that they're not worried about as worried as much about getting PIs as they had been in the past, like you can see that in their play. So whatever coaching changes they made, I think is working. And these guys are really, these guys are buying into it and it's paying off, man. I I like what I see. They're not all sitting back getting 10 yards burnt all day. One might think having uh, really good coaches pays off. (laughs) Yeah. Right. (laughs) I mean, Virginia Tech's had good corners for, Years, so we went there and poached their coaches. Great, great move. That reminds me. I, I wanted to say this. I don't know if I'm just noticing it more this year or not, but our wide receivers are doing such a better job of like pushing off and making and creating separation. Um, I, I, I just have not. I just don't even recall our guys doing this. Like you just see, it. they're doing these little kind of like just soft little hand movements. Uh, on the DBs and they're just tweaking them just a little bit and they're making all the separation. I just can't even recall like Harmon uh, or Myers or anyone doing the same. So I, I don't know if it's just better camera angles. Maybe I'm paying attention to it now, but 
the DBs are playing smarter. They're playing more aggressive. I feel like our wide receivers are as well. Yeah, agreed. They're they're practicing against each other, right? So they're I think it pays off both ways. Yeah, that could be it. Um, Curtin, the recruiting trail slowed down away. No new no way of news or commits. What happens next in the way of targets? Who should we go after? I think everybody knows we're trying to get Muggerville from out west and one of the other defensive tackles. I don't know what's going to happen there. I think it slowed down intentionally. They have some scholarships to hold. I think the play is to hold them and wait for all these kids that committed early and pick up some guys who are going to decommit or, you know, maybe wavering later on, especially now that we've shown a little bit of, Hey, we got a little bit something going here and you might swing some of these guys, right? There's some guys out there that, you know, Bryce Steele or some of these other guys that are committed elsewhere that, you know, might be interested. I think you save those, those scholarships. If you don't get any of those guys, which I think is hard to believe, then you go Juco, you know, and find some depth depth pieces for next year. The transfer portal is going to be lit this year. Yeah, it's going to be And there's already a guy that I would love to take from ODU. Um, and IPS has a little feature on him, uh, Keon White. Um, I'm trying to remember how many TFLs he had this year. It was – or last year it was – Defensive end, right? Yeah, he's like 15 and a half tackles for loss. Like that's the, oh. all I want is just someone that's getting back there. And that's one of the things that I feel like is – so I, I don't know if that's going to be really serious. I'm sure he's going to get some national attention with those numbers. Um, one, just expect some decommitments at some point to come into play for us. Uh, it happens every year. This year just seems more than likely with COVID. Two, transfer portal is going to be just off the chain. I just yeah. – everyone's – especially if they didn't manage their numbers very well. Like I still don't quite understand how the additional years are going to factor in. It's, I guess it's not clear to me. Is it just one extra year that everyone's getting, or is it just certain years of classes that are getting an extra year? Like, is it one year only? Right. And so then like, everyone's going to have to like eject a bunch of players in two years. Um, it's going to be interesting. So I really like our class right now. Um, I still feel like Rivals is doing a terrible job of not going back and re-ranking a couple players. Um, and, and the other thing, too, is like I didn't expect us to be 3-1 and one right now. I'm sure the staff did. But I'm sure they've been telling people, like, if they're unsure, just wait. Just watch us see how we're playing. I still don't think we're going to get Moogerbill. I think he is, like – just sec happy and like that's all i'll say about that um he's practically not in north carolina anyways with where he lives um so just don't be surprised if he goes to florida maybe he's someone that we could flip back in the end but he's just a guy that seems to have his eyes on bigger things and just sometimes you can't do anything about it so yeah uh what areas what areas do you want to see improvement leading into these next games? I would like to see us stay aggressive for four quarters, um, despite even if we're, we're winning. I think at least for three quarters, you should keep the pedal to the metal. If you want to come off of it in the fourth quarter, fine. Um, 
the other thing is I just want to see the the turnovers stay uh, consistent. So I want to see us keep getting interceptions, um, especially going into the UNC game. If we if, look, we're, we haven't even like spoken about Duke at all, really. Um, maybe that's bad on us. I can tell the team is focused on Duke, so I don't really care about them right now. I'm focused on play well, play smart, stay healthy, so that when you are playing UNC, UNC actually has to play a team that's actually 100%. Right. They got they got to take advantage of Virginia Tech. Like, I could only imagine if we got to play Virginia Tech, like, now. Like, we would have ripped oh my their God. asshole. Uh, and I'm sorry, everyone, I'm cursing a lot, but that's just how I feel. Um, th- that's what I want to see. Can we please not have a targeting penalty this this game? Can we? Uh, whatever. Uh, Keep well, hitting the shit, yeah, people. Well, I'm more. Uh, it's we've been lucky, and each of them have been in the first half. And okay, the reason fair I, enough. The reason I'm saying this is the two most aggressive guys that appears on the team are Tanner Engel and Joshua Pierre Lewis, and JPL is playing really well for a freshman. Um, and I just want to see our secondary be 100% and be ready because they are going to be tested to an extreme against UNC. And I cannot state it enough. If we beat Duke and then you beat UNC, I cannot tell you a completely different story on the recruiting trail that will be nationally. It'll be a huge story. Like, it's really critical to come out and just take care of business against Duke and then play well and hopefully beat UNC. Agreed. Um, I forgot what I was going to say with that. <laughs> I'm sorry. Oh, let's say, no, you're fine. Virginia tech, they were down like 12 safeties or something. They had a walk on playing safety and the highlight, like James pointed this out to me. He said, watch this. And, and it was just <laughs> tech safety. It like runs up to the line and Michael Carter, like runs straight at him. And the very, the safety kind of like does a little circle around him. Like he's dancing. It was so weird. And Carter's gone around 60 yards to the house. Like they're playing, they're playing jabronis on the, against them. And yeah, so of course they got lucky there and Virginia tech still gave him a game, but things that, uh, improvements you said you were talking about people and whatever val martin came back last week and gave some quality minutes i I kept saying who's that guy oh it's martin oh who's that guy it's martin you know a couple of times dylan mcmahon played a lot that game he graded out really high if you look at pro football focus uh that's really good to see i want to keep seeing aggressive i want to see rhythm i want to keep seeing these guys you know keep playing like that's improvements i want to see just putting it all together and keep uh, you know, getting more reps for these young guys. I think it's awesome. Yeah, I noticed Devin Van was in this game. I don't know if this was his first snaps, but I noticed him and Martin. Um, there, mm-hmm. there was something about Martin. I don't know. If, I don't know if he had some little brush with the law or whatever. So it was nice to see him in there. Again, I, I think you are seeing, like, it pays dividends to have everyone playing in their spot, right? Peyton Wilson. Yeah the game which allows everyone else to flow like they normally do same thing like when you had angle in there the defense looked just so much better it would have been really great to see angle playing against the backup but we obviously couldn't because he created that situation but like angle coming off the edge that one blitz he had where um it was run play he got held he he just seems to be playing at another level. He looks so fast on the screen compared to others. Um, yep. 
I'm very excited to see four quarters of Tanner Engel. Healthy Tanner Engel. Yes, that, that, and that's what I mean. Like not coming off with calf cramps or whatever. I, I think we're about to see. I guess what I, I we said it earlier in the season when we were doing the pods. We're about to see what a everyone is up to speed. Everyone is out of COVID protocol. Like you're about to see a team that looks like it's in shape and ready to play. It couldn't happen probably at a better time for this team. So I really have a positive feeling that we're about to blow the doors out of Duke and it's going to be, I don't know if we're going to beat UNC, but I got a feeling we're going to be extremely competitive. Everything looks yeah. like it's going the right way. Salty. Dave's already salty. And if he keeps, you know, people keep pouring salt on those things for by the time he gets to Carolina, he's always salty for that Carolina game. You get salty Dave. I, I'm a big fan of salty Dave. Give me chocolate, sea salt, caramel, Dave. All right, I want to see it all together. I want the whole flavor profile. What is the p- potential of this team? What makes us happy where we don't look back like 17, 18 and say, man, if they could have just beaten Clemson, South Carolina, Wake, et cetera. That's an interesting question, man. I've been saying this all year. I think every game is 50-50. I'm going to rattle through some what we've seen right now. I'm going to rattle through these, the rest of the schedule. Duke, okay, not great. We'll find out this weekend. Uh, Carolina and Miami are, are going to be arguably the, arguably the toughest games left on the schedule. And those are back to back after this Duke game. There's a break in between, you know, but still 50, 50 game, right? 50, 50 probably won't be favored in those two games. I assume it'll be, we'll be favored since we'll be at home against Florida state. They're not great. Liberty will be favored. Syracuse will be favored. Georgia Tech will probably be favored. Looks pretty good to me, man. I, I think there's a lot of potential still left on the schedule, and it Wait. just it teed up perfectly for us. Do we dodge BC and Cuse this year? Yeah, I got to play we're Cuse. The, we don't play BC. I forgot we're in the coastal. Um, I I don't know. There's a weird feeling I've got that FSU is gonna slap UNC this weekend. I don't know why I'm feeling like that. I have no reason to think that. I hope they're looking past them to us. That's what I, I would like to say. I, I just get the feeling. It's possible. It's going to be hard. Mac really has like a hard-on for Bobby Bowden. So yeah, FSU, yeah. I feel like, is special for him. Um, so I doubt it. But it's also a road game. Um, I'm trying to think. Like, has UNC – I guess UNC went to BC and they played like garbage. They played at BC, yeah. So, it's yeah, that's going to be really interesting. But – yeah, I think we. Sh- I mean, we say that we should be we that we'll be favored in all those games, but if, it's gonna be close. If we beat Duke and then just lose poorly to UNC and, and Miami, then we're not gonna be favored in games, right? Like I think, right or wrong, you uh, NC State seems to like always have a skeptical eye on it, like. We might not be favored, but we'll, we'll be within a touchdown, right? It's going to be close yeah. in, in most of those games. And I think I think they're all winnable, right? So that's that's what I'm looking for. Florida State played better against Notre Dame. They put the new quarterback in. Maybe they found a little something, but they're still offensive line, defensive line are just terrible. So I, I don't expect Carolina to have too much trouble with them, but we'll see. God, I hope so. Uh <laughs> game rituals we, we had a lot of these here um oh <laughs> max I, I like the morning of each time we've won so where around boone do i go this weekend i have no idea but go somewhere 
uh, Will has gotten into this thing. Folks that are in our chat would know that he was baking a cake against Pitt, and we won. And everybody had the question all last week, what is Will baking? What is Will baking? Well, this week he was out making some shelves or something. Yeah, I was plastering walls and uh, or patching plaster walls, and I was building shelves. Um, I have found, I think, the best thing, at least for me as a pack fan, is to make sure I am accomplishing something during a game so that if we lose, I feel great for doing something. And if we win, it's like a double whammy. Um, the, so you, uh, you told me earlier to do it before the game, and I'm like, yeah, that's a good idea. So like, I'm getting up and being productive, and then I sit there and watch football the rest of the day, and I don't feel guilty. That was a, that was a good point. Yeah, so I like we to need Will like, to be on a project is basically what we're we're talking about. Yeah, I like to make like a to do a to do list before our games, basically, and just say like just accomplish, please, just something off of it. Um, yeah. The uh, oh, is there a cake question? Um, yeah, what cake are you making? Well, the cake that I made, it was we were doing a little Oktoberfest for our, uh, a friend's like backyard birthday party thing, and so I made this thing that's called well, me and the lady. We made Kuchen, that is a German cake that's kind of similar to uh, like a coffee cake. Um, it was not hard to to make. I will say this: uh, it was the first time I've ever made a cake. It was oddly satisfying. Um, but then again, I'm also one of those people that watches the Great British Bake Off on Netflix as a uh, <laughs> way to relax. And I was just like, oh yeah, now I totally get it. I get why people do this. It's a little nerve wracking because like you do got to follow the steps and you got to play with the science of, of baking, but um, yeah, it's oddly rewarding. Um, and there was a little bit of shouting because of how the cake came out for one of the cakes that we made. So anyways, yeah, I, I, we might, we might branch into something. Red velvet is bullshit though. I'm going to say that right now. Oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. Uh, that's, just, that's just food coloring y'all. Uh, you know, uh, I, I, you know, I, it's funny because I see this this question. I don't think I've ever had carrot cake. That's communist cake. Nobody, I mean, carrots in a cake. Get out of here with that. Like red velvet is not about the cake part. It's about the cream cheese frosting, man. Come on now. Like, like you might as well just say like frosting cake. Like <laughs> red velvet. <laughs> cream, cream, che- cream cheese cake. Yeah. yeah. Like I believe no, that. No oh, like red cheese cake. Yeah. <laughs> red velvet. That's my life. I can't have back. Uh, you'll never get it back. Make some shelves. All right. I, briefly about this Duke game. The biggest thing that I've seen watching Duke is they turn the ball over a ton, 15 times in the last three games. They do it a, a variety of ways, interceptions, fumbles. Now, if they keep doing that, I feel pretty good. It's it's so hard to rely on on that. Just it here right being a state fan. Um They've had what fifteen or like nineteen? They've had an insane amount. They had seven in one game. If if anyone watched the Duke game, so, so I think the key is this. Um, and the only thing that gives me pause is like we don't generate a ton of pressure necessarily um, if we rush three, and at least two of the fumbles, if from watching the game today, were from uh, either a fourth down lineman or a linebacker coming off the edge or something like that. Um, Chase Bryce holds onto the ball. Chase Bryce is a backup quarterback that is playing starting quarterback. You cannot convince me otherwise. I don't know why people thought 
he was going to be some savior for Duke. It never made sense to me. Um, but they're also like their running backs are doing a bad job of holding onto the ball. They're throwing interceptions. So if state can just be plus one in the turnover margin, I feel really good. Um, Duke's been successful about against like running the ball on some teams, but I think that's probably a more of a reflection of those teams than it is necessarily Duke. Duke's had some yeah. snipers with Notre Dame and um, UVA. They only had like 59 uh, yards on the ground with UVA. Um, and, and from watching the game, like I, I don't know what Cuse's situation is with the guys that they're playing, but like their uh, their defensive line was just getting worked. They were constantly like running themselves out of plays. They were losing leverage. Um, so I, I'm not taking anything significant from Duke's run game performance against Syracuse. I guess the only thing I'd be a little pause, giving me a little pause is uh, Syracuse is supposed to be running a, a three three stack like we do. So maybe keep an eye on that. But this is like that classic game where Doran and company just say, all right, we're just going to stop the run. And if Chase Price beats us to the air, like, screw it. Okay, fine. We're going to go down in flames. But I just get the feeling this is one of those games where if you see us hold them to under 120, 150 yards of rushing, like, it's game over. Yeah, agreed. I I have been impressed with them. Uh, We'll see. I think this says – I think it's more about us. So if we come out with the same intensity, the same focus – and if Dave's practice comments stand true, I, I like the pack here. Yeah. So their their defense isn't trash. I guess I'll say that about Duke. Um and I think Dave made some comment like they hit hard. They play hard. Um they're not a classic bad Duke team. But if you get Chase Bryce playing like the way Chase Bryce has played, then like game over. I mean Syracuse lost I think Syracuse lost to Vito in the game. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh-oh. All right. That's all the state stuff we got. I wanted to, wanted to point out two other things. Drink got his first win. Drinkwitz as the head coach of Missouri beat LSU. Good job, Drink. And something I wanted, I wanted to mention last week, this is completely not state related, but I'm curious what everybody else thinks about it, what you think about it. Texas is terrible. Like you think our fans are like dying to be a winner? Like Texas has been pretty much ir- irrelevant for I don't know how long, fifteen years now. Like, what the hell is happening in Texas? How do you fix that thing? Like that's I know this is random, but it's just I watch a lot of college football and like there's no way Herman keeps his job this year. Like you're in Texas, you should be getting all the best players, you should have every advantage in the world. And they've just, oh, they're two and two now, or one and two, or whatever they are now. Like, they're not good. What is that about? Um, it, it's, it's hard to fathom. You know, like, I've never been a fan of a, an extremely good team. So, like, I don't know what it's like to go from, like, being at the pinnacle to being at the mid tier basically is where they are. Um, 
it's it's not like Nebraska. Like Nebraska had some good runs there. This is freaking Texas in the best recruiting state in the country. In you know they have their own network. They have all the advantages. And again, they've just like you should be able to roll out studs and just crush people like Alabama does, right? Alabama just rolls out the studs. Even if they don't have a good game, they're going to blow somebody's doors off. Like that's what Texas should be. How how are they not on that level? Like that is to me that's insanity. I think the thing is, I feel like I noticed it last year or two, like when I was looking through the stats. Um, like when we hired Tim back, I was like, all right, well, like everyone's kind of like happy with this hire, but people are also like taking a dump on it um, in like a subtweet fashion. Um, talking about how he wasn't calling the plays. And I kept looking through the stats and being like, okay, the problem at Texas does not appear to be offense. Didn't look like it was a problem. He was calling plays. It's been defense. And, you know, I mean, yeah, you go out and you can beat UTEP and Texas Tech. But look at the score. I mean, they beat Texas Tech and it was 63 to 56. You know, 53 to 45 with OU. Like, I know the Big 12 is incredible on offense but you would think that that kind of offensive innovation would also yield defensive innovation in some manner and i think that's the problem there's no excuse like they should have incredible talent at texas i wonder if we are seeing at texas the same thing that happened at florida state where um i don't know if they self-generate the hype of who they recruit, but like you've seen it with Florida State, their offensive line for like a year has been super questionable and now very bad. And they've gone through multiple changes, um, uh, you know, in administrations and in coordinators and things like that. Um, I, I think one of the benefits that Texas has had is what stability in some way. Right. And Mac Brown kind of, left that thing as a turd and um, Charlie Strong tried to fix it and don't think he was given it enough time personally. I think, I think Charlie Strong's a good coach. Um, and I think Tom, they're going to be a PJ flick. Well, yeah. I mean, what I was going to say is like, I think Tom Herman's a really good offensive coordinator. Sometimes like, I feel like I who did I say this about? I can't remember who was on our staff. Sometimes you're just a good position coach or you're just a good coordinator. Like, yeah. you know, like I hate Mac Brown, but like Mac Brown has one thing that he's really good at. He's a good head coach. He lets other people do their job. He goes and schmoozes with the boosters. He's a figurehead. And Tom Herman, I, you know, I just don't, maybe he's just not that good. Maybe he's an incredible coordinator. It's just not maybe meant to run a program. Texas is one of the top three jobs, probably. Oh, yeah. I, I mean, mean well, definitely. What, what do you think? Ohio State, Texas, where else? I'd say Florida, Alabama. Yeah, I feel like that's a fair ranking, too, because I think Alabama has insane expectations at this point. So, like, I don't want to put them at number one because I think everyone's like, what if we can't repeat that? I mean, yeah, it's one of those jobs. I'm just like, man, I just, I keep seeing what's happening to them and just like, doesn't make any sense, man. They should be 
better than this. But it's anyway, like you that's would, enough it, Texas talk. Well, I yeah. mean, like, yeah, just a general like landscape, national landscape talk. Um, you need even if you have all the advantages, you still need to put the right person in the job. Um, like that's just a reminder for like NC State fans who like to bitch about people. Like it's hard to nail it. I guess is what I'm saying. It, it is hard to nail. PJ yeah, Puck is obviously going to win a billion games <laughs> wherever yeah. he is. You know, I think it's harder to nail it with coordinators becoming head coaches as opposed to head coaches who have won at a lower level yeah. and moved up. I, I think the coaches that hit, we've seen be the most successful in the last you know five, ten years are the coaches who have been head coaches at smaller schools and work their way up. And they do that by, you know, outkicking their coverage, right? They're recruiting better than they should be for that particular school. To me, that's a, a big indicator of future success. Like Texas should be, they should have a top five class every year. And a lot of these schools should have a, you know, they should have their pick of the litter. And, you know, now you need somebody who can uh, evaluate that and really capitalize on it and just go wherever and get the best players. And that, yeah. If, if Texas had hired like Bronco Mendenhall, I feel like they'd be like a 10 win program every year. Yeah. I feel like they'd be a lot better. Yeah. And I think that's like a perfect, you, you made a really good point. That's why I always liked, uh, I can't remember what the guy's name is. Who, who is at ECU now? That was at JMU. Mike Houston. Yeah. Like I, I'm, I'm if we ever have to replace Dave, like let's say we have an incredible season and Dave moves on. I'm much more interested in seeing guys that have like a multi three or four year, at least like cycle at another program in success at a lower level. I'm more confident in them than uh, Will Healy. Mike Houston and Will Healy are almost on par at the moment. So, like, I, neither, one of them is doing, uh, neither one of them is doing great at their current school. Both of them have had success at their other schools. You're just trying to trigger me with the Will Healy talk. I, I'm not going to take the bait today. I'm trying to trigger you a little bit, but at the same time, like it also makes complete sense that they are not doing great at the schools. It be like ECU screwed themselves firing Rob and USC Charlotte. Like I just, how, how can you honestly expect someone to be really good at that school? They're five years into existence, like or four years into existence. Even so, like, they haven't had a program existence. Like, I don't buy the UNC Charlotte hype. Like, it's never gonna happen. They, They'll be better than App soon. I'll yeah, put that out maybe. There. But like, who cares? Like, what I'm saying is, there's too much of a built-in advantage at NC State, at UNC, even at the private schools. Like, I don't care if UNC Charlotte has sixty thousand people going there. Oh, it's, yeah, certainly. In that comparison. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Like, it's just – it's just Win on your level. They're never going to be yeah. power five level, but win on your level. That's but, but it, Yeah, win on your level. Don't judge them when they you know, flirt up with like playing at UNC or someone for the year, I guess. Like yeah. people have crazy expectations for that kind of program. Yeah. And we got our Will Healy, Healy mention in for this podcast. So there we go. How about that, Wolfpack? How about that? <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
All right, folks, that's it. We were rambling long enough. We talked a little bit of Duke, a little bit of UVA, a little bit of a lot of Texas. <laughs> uh, as always, thanks for listening. Go pack. Go pack. Go mow the lawn.